let's not kid ourselves. Every kid has grown up and thought, I wonder who'll come to my funeral. Like yes. That we all have this realization, right? We've all had that where we've gone, oh, I wonder if I like, like if I could just watch, like see who comes. Yeah. I mean, I, you'd hate to be disappointed, eh? You'd hate yeah, to hate yeah, uh, the yeah. people, everyone you've ever met. And then everyone's, you know, it's, it's not that many people turn up. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back with another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast, episode 17. Uh, another another wonderful week uh, to be be back here with you, bro. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> here we go again on a Sunday morning, throwing Sunday it back morning. to uh, older times, earlier, yeah. pre, pre-episode 10 times, back when things were weekend-based and, uh, yeah, for... for circumstances that are not that interesting to go into we're we're recording on a sunday today which is of course the uh the first day of the weekend for you so thank you very much for getting up at what i imagine is a lot earlier than you would do on your saturday off so yeah thank you thanks for being here man i really appreciate it no i hey i'm 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 happy to be here mate. i'm happy to be here no i am i i got a uh a longer sleep than usual i'm quite a night owl uh, as as i've talked about before so i managed to get to sleep a a little earlier last night because i knew we were going to be getting up and recording so uh i was you know i was good i was a good boy Uh, i got my sleep i got my eight hours so i'm good i'm feeling good i'm ready to ready to get into this week Um, nice nice yeah yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, to to start us off this week, I once again uh, saw a film, I uh, uh, and it was it was it was a good film, a film that that you had uh, talked about before, and uh, one of your favorite directors, and this is of course uh, Tenant by Christopher Nolan. Uh, I first off just want to say how weird it is to be uh, in the cinemas during a pandemic. Yeah, so was it spa- was it spaced? I, I presume, it, obviously, it was. What was the? Because in Wellington, there's a few different things. Like some of the cinemas are just doing one for one seating. So regardless mm-hmm. of whether you go as a group, it's just one on one off, one on one off. Uh, whereas I think the Roxy and maybe a couple of other ones have like ones and twos and threes. So depending on the size of your booking, that's where they put you in the cinema. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What was the situation where you went? Well, I think the the situation was so. Uh, <laughs> I don't think people are getting back to the movies because yeah. we were in extreme screen. So I went with Mum. We yeah. were in extreme screen, and you know, obviously a very big cinema. Uh, there was only five of us in the audience. What, what day time did you go? Just because that could. Oh no, bar, it does. No, you're right. It does affect it. Uh, it was uh, four twenty on. Friday afternoon. So a very strange time, uh, of course. Yeah. But I, I, it was it was still so weird. Me and mum were the first ones to arrive in the cinema and it was completely empty. Um, the seats that we had selected were not the seats that were on the tickets. So we were like, I think it's fair to say that we can go and sit where we want to go and sit. Sit in your damn seat. <laughs> so, the rules. <laughs> so we went and sat down and then literally, yeah, another couple walked in and then a solo guy came in as well. And that was it. There was only five of us in this massive cinema. So we were definitely uh, uh, physical distancing. 
but yeah, it was. I gotta say, it was. It was just weird being in a cinema again, because it, 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 you know it's been months. It's been so long, and the first thing I noticed was how just the sound of of a cinema, you know, because I, I I find with my ears they're a bit. I was gonna say a bit off. I mean, I guess that's true. I I pick up background noise very easy. So I find it works sometimes when someone's talking to me and there's background noise of the mall or music and things like that. I find it really hard to hone in into someone speaking. Yeah. Um, and so being in the cinema again, because it all is background, you know, ambient noise, loud. Um, it took a while for our ears to kind of adjust to to being in that space again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the first thing we picked up on. Um, but But I mean, anyway, hey, quickly just to talk about Tenant. Good. Yeah, so so I I mean I watched the trailer, multiple of the trailers. I know sort of the sense of the vibe of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen it. Have, don't have any. Haven't had any spoilers come through for me. Uh, I do intend to go and see it. As you know, I'm terrible about going into the cinemas. But your, I mean, no spoilers here, guys. But Matt and I have talked about it. Very briefly before this, but we did cut it short a little bit. Um, yeah, g- give me your give me your gut reaction, instinct, how it felt for you. because you're a you're a Nolan fan as well, right? Like, yeah. yeah. How did most of his films that he's brought out have been to your taste? So I guess did you have a quite a strong expectation of what you were going in to see, or did you sort of just accept you know what first trip back to the to a movie theater in a while i'm just gonna see what this is in the moment well i think i definitely went into that into the movie with that thought of like i'm seeing a 2.0 inception-esque movie you know yeah. i think if, if you just watch the trailer you kind of get that vibe anyway that there's yeah. Yeah. a lot of different things going on it's really its own like new concept and fresh idea um, and I think that, that, and that's the thing I loved about it the most is that the, the concept of the movie and the way that it works, haven't really seen it been done before. And I think that's, you know, that's a great thing that Christopher Nolan is, is really good at is, is just bringing a really fresh perspective of an idea to an audience, um, much like with Inception, but I know with a movie like Inception, um, you need to see it a few times, I yeah. think to really, get down to the nitty gritty of, of appreciating it. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's much the same with tenant with tenant. There's, there's a lot going on. Obviously I don't want any spoilers. I'm not really going to talk too much about the plot or anything like that, obviously, but, um, there's a lot going on and it felt like the movie was constant, constantly moving. Like the, the pace of the movie was, uh, yeah, w- was really fast. Even when there was nothing happening, there was there was always something happening whether that was sound design or you know something on screen it, it you really i mean it's what was it two and a half hours and it it really flew by like i really didn't notice it um but that's because obviously i was trying to figure out what was going on the whole entire movie i remember i looked over at my mum a few times just being like what the hell like where the hell are we right now are you following um, yeah have you got it i got it. okay yeah cool we'll, we'll reconnect at the end and we'll try and figure this out together um but i mean i think you know if if you if you like movies where you because i know a lot of people like watching a movie where they don't have to think yeah my you dad's know? a big one on that i remember yeah. going to inception with mum and dad at empire cinema in island bay and walking out and dad was like 
Well, I hated it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I still don't think I've ever met anyone who disliked Inception quite as much. But Dad refers, whenever we're having a conversation about Inception, which is not that often, but mm-hmm. as a family, we refer to it as the movie that Dad said he didn't like straight after <laughs> it. Some people don't like it, which is completely no, fair. Like some exactly. people want to go to go to a film and and just not 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 have to think for two hours, but not have to do that much work as an active audience yep, member. Exactly, they can really just appreciate what's going on in front of them. And I, you're so right. I think that's completely fair. I think maybe Tenant is not the movie for your dad. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, definitely not. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was really good. The acting was great. Um, and yeah, I thought they did a really good job, and Christopher Nolan did a really good job. But I do I do have one bone to pick with the movie which i noticed and it it comes down to me saying like i said before uh, you know adjusting to the sound of being in a cinema again yeah i actually found the sound editing in this movie was a bit off um and i i'm not entirely sure why but i i talked to an old friend of mine um dylan uh who is probably listening right now over in sweden and he, he's he's a dj he's good with sound design and things like that um and yeah he, he said pretty much exactly the same thing that the the sound design was really good like i love the sound design like what christopher nolan does with like you know ambience and really like filling the space and filling the gaps of a movie with something going on yeah um but i found that the sound editing side of it um was a bit off it was it was really loud in some places, um, and you couldn't really hear the actors and what they were saying on screen, uh, which was uh, something that I've never really noticed in movies before. Um, I mean, I, I know you know because and Oscars and things like that. They you know these movies get get that for sound design and editing and things like that. Um, I remember what was it? I think Bohemian Rhapsody got best sound editing, yeah, um, and 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 the last Oscars, and I can. Uh, or was it just, no, I think it was just editing in general. Um, and I, I completely disagree with that. I thought the editing of that movie was not very good. Um, but obviously, you know, they did. But I think, yeah, with the, with this movie, it was the first time I'd really noticed the sound editing just not being that great. Like I said, sound design, great. But the editing, not that great. It was It was really weird. And I don't think that was me trying to adjust to how loud the movie actually was. It was just, I, I heard it, and, and, and we heard it in patches of the movie where I literally had to lean forward. I don't know why I had to lean forward like I was listening to my TV, but I was really trying to hear what the actors were, were trying to say, but there was there was a lot going on over top of them. And I mean, hey, look, whether that was actually a, a choice of theirs or not, but for me, that kind of uh, ruined a few moments because I, I was actively trying to listen to what these characters were, were saying, but I couldn't hear them, but I couldn't hear them. So to go through some of the last uh, Oscar winners for Best Sound Editing, uh, Ford versus Ferrari last year, Bohemian Rhapsody the year before, Dunkirk the year before that, Arrival the year before that, Mad Max Fury Road the road before that. So these are films that quite often yeah. are really successful films and mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. you know best picture sense or, or really critically and popular you know getting that kind of acclaim. So it's interesting that sound editing and kind of is, is clearly an important aspect tied into what makes really successful films. I mean, those four or five or six, however many I listed, 
are all films for the most part where there's lots going on like Mad Max obviously lots of car yeah. scenes and chase yeah. scenes a lot of movement arrival extraterrestrial so there's a lot of uh, a lot of big picture stuff going on which has big sound design obviously mm. Dunkirk all the sounds of war Bohemian Rhapsody obviously being a uh, a movie where music is super super key and then Ford versus Ferrari being a film that obviously the sounds of cars and engines is throughout the whole film the ability to create the world of the movie with all that sound but then obviously still be able to hear the dialogue is super super yeah. important and it's interesting that you brought this up with with uh you know, a movie from 2020 and a Nolan film, because I feel like the only time I really noticed this is in kids' films. And the last yeah. time I rewatched Shrek maybe like three weekends ago, and I really struggled to set the volume on the TV or like the laptop or whatever, mm, mm. because there's some pure dialogue scenes. And then there's some things that are super, super, super loud. And it made me realize, huh, doing the sound design for children's films must be really difficult because kids like stuff really, really loud and probably yeah. don't need to hear that much of the dialogue. Whereas we watch that as quote unquote adults and it's actually the dialogue that is generally the bits that we find funniest. So we we want to hear those lines where True. they have like the, the double meanings and the, the, the clever writing. And I feel like I've found that with, with Disney films or kids' films a lot more because the balancing is so different based on the audience. But mm -hmm. with a film like Tenet, which obviously is aimed at people, I don't know, 15 plus, I don't know, what what is it rated M? Uh, oh, Or like off the a, top of your head, was it like an M type movie? I mean, there was, oh, there wasn't. That, I, I, would, I mean, I would still obviously, I wouldn't say PG-13, but... Yeah, I think definitely mature audiences, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, anyway, to my point, like, they're clearly marketing it at, at, at our demographic or the demographic of adults. So they know, mm. they kind of don't have that excuse, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting for me when I do go to see it to have you have said that to me. And I'm obviously going to go in with that expectation of the sound <laughs> design. It'll be really interesting to compare how going in with an expectation of maybe imbalanced audio changes mm. compared to your, I, I mean, maybe it might flip the other way and that because you've said you found it weird, I might go in with that expectation knowing that it's all over the place and actually I might find it fine. Maybe yeah, it's just for yeah. you. Exactly. Having gone to the, the, like a theater for the first time, it might've actually just been the acoustics of that space. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, I yeah. thought maybe it might have something to do with being in an extreme screen as well. Cause yeah. I know the extreme screen does use different audio to, for, you know, for the cinema itself. Um, so whether, you know, like recording in, in stereo, cause if you record in mono, it's that whole, you know, it's the same sound coming from everywhere, but stereo, you can break up the sounds into different sections and that's how we get that movie experience. But yeah, yeah so I, I'm wondering if, you know, they were kind of just separated differently. And I was, I was, I was hearing different, you know, the parts that I shouldn't have been, been hearing. So you're so right. I, I, I am going to be very interested in, in, in your take in it. But yeah, I mean, try not to, hopefully, I, I don't think it will ruin it for you. Oh no, um, definitely. I'm not the kind of person that would go in and be like, <laughs> I don't care how good the story is. The sound's going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard. And, <laughs> and that is not what I'm saying. Because I, I, I think, I mean, I, if there's one thing I'm going to say to people that are going to go see Tenant 
go see it with someone because I mean I don't know hey I've been to movies by myself before and you know a little, yeah a little trip for myself um, but I think with this movie it's really good to have a conversation after because I've, I I was talking uh, my cousin went and saw it with his partner and so his partner didn't enjoy the movie so I don't think that he was able to have a really good conversation with her to ch- actually figure out what was happening in the movie because he said he yeah. just didn't understand it. And I think that's because she didn't like it. So they weren't able to have that conversation. Where we, Me and mum were coming out and we were debating the whole time. We were like, no, this was no, this was happening. Okay, and then the, this was, the, and then, you know, and so we were able, by the time we got in the car and we were actually driving home, we were both sitting there like, yeah. I think we got it. Like, <laughs> so, I think so, we got the parable. Yeah, so so go see it. But no, I think it's great. It's got a great plot running through the whole whole way through, but there are definitely subplots and things. Um, but yeah, I think just yeah, pay attention because there is a lot of information being given to you. Um, and I think if you miss something, then you won't appreciate it uh, later in the movie. And that's a kind of little... A little teaser to it but uh i i think i i i know that you all enjoy it um but yeah i mean hey we all we all love different things so have your yeah, own take on it definitely not a movie to go into really tired <laughs> like, no i it's agree a movie to go into when you when you're ready to be switched on yeah maybe a yeah. massive massive soft drink or something to like sugar high your way into the into the film um but yeah i definitely am excited excited to see it and i mean it's sometimes it's nice to go into films having no expectation but i think also there's a there's a benefit to having had some conversation about the film to intri- like intrigue so i'm quite excited to go and see it having had a few bits and pieces come through from you but nice. yeah I will, I will report back when i've seen it yeah mean 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 well hey i mean to continue continue the flow of this flow of this podcast this week uh i have a question for you Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm prepared for said question. Well, actually, maybe I'm not. Well, no. I, I'm unprepared. I don't know what the question is. I feel prepared and ready to answer. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts, or do you believe, in an afterlife? Oh, interesting. You know, um, because obviously, you know, whether it be religion or your own kind of take or what, what you would believe to happen... Uh, is there one? Is there not? Or if there is, what do you what do you think? Hmm. I feel like this question could could go off in so many so many different tangents. So I'm going to yeah. try and give quite a closed answer um, without necessarily going off into, as you said before, whether it's religion or spirituality. Mm. Or um, my answer is, is definitely a no. Yeah. In terms of answering the question simply, and I think the best way that I can uh, speak to that is, I think I, I um, I mean we should we should say now like this week's topic we're going to talk about about death and legacy. So clearly there's links there when it comes to conceptualizing life and what happens after life. I don't think I'm the kind of person that gives any real weight to what happens after you die. Mm. Um, you know, obviously that's all loaded based on my background and, you know, all the stuff that you mentioned that goes into it. But no, I think 
I'm not I'm not the kind of person that would ever you know push my beliefs on anyone else or yeah. question anyone's beliefs or yeah. try and undermine if someone said that they did believe in an afterlife of of any kind um but I think I'm quite strong in the no camp yeah um yeah and I don't yeah I don't think that comes from any like science background or I don't believe in you know this or that I, I mean concepts of afterlife actually really really fascinate me oh like, yeah. someone that I'm I'm have a great love for Greek mythology and obviously mm-hmm. ancient Greece has a really quite well-known concept of the afterlife and the underworld and Hades and the fields of Asphodel, which is, you know, what, what a part of what I love about the way that the ancient Greeks look at it is there being different parts of the, the afterlife. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone goes to the underworld, but there's sort of three different strains. There's the fields of Asphodel, which is kind of, the middle ground for people that didn't do anything particularly bad and didn't do anything particularly good. And then there's kind of the, I can't remember what the name of it is, but the place where you go, if you've been really, really bad, essentially eternal torture. So, you know, that's not so great, but then there's the really good place for people that have done really good stuff during their life. And it's probably the closest approximation to, um, heaven in a traditional Mm -hmm. sense. But Mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated by the way that the ancient Greeks went, Everyone goes down, the under, mm-hmm. you know, it's not in the sky, it's not down in the ground split, everyone's going down, but once you're down in the underworld, it's like, that's, you know, there's some diff- there's some different paths. Um, strangely, I've been rereading, I said I wouldn't go off on the tangent, this is a massive tangent, strangely, I've been <laughs> rereading um, this kid's book series, Percy Jackson, which oh, yep. I'd mentioned before as being, I think it was because we chatted about how the the adaptation, adaptation of that was really yeah. bad and yeah. made me go back and just read a read, read a couple of them um and in that version of the story like percy goes down to the underworld and the people that have died actually have the choice of whether they want to go through judgment or not mm-hmm. and so it's kind of the the gamble of like do you think you've been good enough that maybe you have a chance of being a judge to go into the like the really good place or do you True. not want to take the risk and you just want to slide on through to the fields of <laughs> asphodel where you do nothing forever <laughs> anyway to bring it back around i'm really i am fascinated by by the concept of, of afterlife and i think there's real value and weight in terms of how afterlife um can teach you know young people and not young people about how what you do in your life has consequences and the value of the decisions you make and i think i think there's some real value to it being part of um our discussion as human beings regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you're religious or not religious the idea that there are consequences to your actions outside of the immediate consequences like the impact that you have on other people's lives but in terms of a, a quick answer to your question, uh, no. But, but what about you? I've I've, <laughs> yeah. I've spoken for a lot longer than I expected to. No is my is yeah, my no, sure good. answer. No, no, no I, li- I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had, oh God, I've had a lot of different beliefs growing up, and you know, during my early adult life as well. Because uh, as I've talked before, I was you know raised Catholic, um, not really practicing anymore. But you know, there's certain, I mean, there's values of that that i you know still not abide by but that I, I i value i value the values um but i don't really believe in like the pearly gates you know i don't yeah. believe that there's 
there's uh, a, a heaven per se where we land on clouds and we walk through a gate and, you know, there's there's set rooms and houses and things and we're all communal and, you know, we're in heaven, ruddy, ruddy, rah. Um, I don't really believe in that. Um, and I, and the same with hell as well, the same thing. You kind of get pushed down and, and there's fiery things and ruddy, ruddy, rah. I mean, me, me personally, and I mean, you know, I guess this is not necessarily a belief, but the kind of like, I mean, this is what I think I would, I would like to happen after, um, is that like your heaven or hell is, is what, is what you make of it. Like your hell is literally your hell. Like it could, it could be, I don't know, being surrounded by dogs for the rest of eternity. Like that is your hell. You've got a fear of dogs kind of thing. Um, or, uh, I don't know, something really random or like, you know, your heaven can be uh, anything that you make of it either. My only problem with that is that obviously, you know, when you're dead, you don't have a conscious or subconscious kind of thing, or at least that's what I believe. So, you know, how can you formulate your own heaven or hell after that kind of thing? Um, So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of holes in, in what, you know, in that belief kind of thing. Um, but there's also a really big part of me that's exactly the same as you. I, I think, you know, the the only constants in life are, are being born, being brought into this world, and then dying. And, and, and that's it. When you die, it's black. You're done. Like, you're gone. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing really after that. How could there be anything after that? Energies and things like that. But I, I bring up energies because I do believe in spirits. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the in the presence of people that have passed on and are, are still stuck on this earth. Um, whether that be energies, you know, ghosts. You know, there's the whole obviously you see in movies and things like ghosts, ooh, spooky, yeah. blood, you know, sheet on the head kind of thing. I don't believe in that, but I do believe in energies. I believe yeah. in in energies being being stuck stuck here after, um, and. Uh, the reason I believe that is because I've yeah I've had a big one before. I actually don't know if I've talked about it on the pod before, but we we lived in a house that was not necessarily haunted, but had energies. Um, my my mum used to hear children uh, running down the hallway um, of the house, and she went away one week, and me and my grandmother went to go and inspect the house to make sure everything was okay, um, and there was a, a line of maggots. Uh, running the whole way through the house, there was nothing dead. There was there was nothing out of the usual, but there was this whole line of maggots the whole way through the hallway, and obviously maggots are a sign of death. Um, so you know we cleaned it up and we we got someone to come and um, bless the house, and we found out that the house was actually built on the pathway to an urupa, um, a, a cemetery. So that was literally the path that people used to take to get up to that cemetery. Um, and that's what, and that's what we were hearing. We were hearing people traveling up to the cemetery and, and, and kids giggling and running up to the cemetery. Um, so yeah, that, that's been my only like big experience of, of energies and presence. So I, I do, I do believe in that. I, I do believe in energies being stuck here. And I mean, what happens after that? Not entirely sure. Maybe that is our afterlife. You either, you, your energy either gets stuck on this earth or you go into eternal blackness and that's it. You're done. Um, cause I, I think there's a beauty to that knowing that there isn't anything after because you've kind of got to do the most of what you can do right now 
Yeah. You know? I think there's there's a real uh, catch-22 isn't probably the right way to put it, but there's a, there's a reversal of energies there. On the one hand, I think, like I said before, I think you, sh- you can and should be able to go through life treating life as if what you do in life has consequences afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have any uh, beef or argument with the traditional teaching of that part of the reason of why you make decisions and how you act during your life is because once it's all said and done, like you'll be, you know, this gets judged or reviewed or you're, yeah. the consequences. I think there's some real weight to that teaching. And I think I probably fall into that category of, of I don't believe in an afterlife necessarily or or in the traditional way that many people do, but it doesn't mean that I don't act in a sense of consequences yeah. having being important. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, like you said, I think there's a there is a real importance of what you do here and now matters. Like yeah. you could die up you could you could be hit by a car at any point. You could um, you know, have something go on in your body that just all your your things shut down mm-hmm. at, at any ch- any point. And if you don't live your life based on the here and now, then it is you know wasted opportunity and wasted years, which I think is where you where you're getting at. So yeah. those kind of two things I think balance against each other, and I think it's it depends on how you on how you use the concept of afterlife to fuel your present life that I would either either support or not support. I mean, obviously there's people that really abuse the sense of afterlife, um, you know, in their communities or, you know, people yeah. that have followers and they, they, they're the fear instilling fear of the sense of, of yeah. hell or the afterlife can be, I think really dangerous and damaging, but I definitely agree with you. And in, in terms of what you've said about energies, I've definitely met enough people that have had significant experiences and I have no reason to disbelieve their experiences to think that yes, there's probably something to, uh, energies in a, in a sense. Mm. And mm. Uh, you could easily break those down into, being part of the, the wider afterlife bracket, which I definitely yeah. put myself in more of a more of a yes than a no. So I guess that's probably on me for having <laughs> presumed that you are asking the question in a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, I think something I was going to bring up later on. I, I I'm really interested in how uh, fictional stories, you know, address afterlife, and I think for mm. me, this will be a whole episode in itself. Um, and I know we've said that before, but this will be an episode, mark my words. Um, <laughs> I really like what, what Harry Potter, how how it addressed life and death and the blurring between them. I mean, there's so many elements of, of death in that story. I mean, we're introduced to it right at the start, but there's the concept of ghosts are so clearly part of the Hogwarts story, you know, not so much in the films, but in the in the books. Um, the concept of people who chose to remain behind because it felt like they had unfinished business mm. or the fact that the headmasters, when they die, they they have a portrait sort of immediately arrive in the in the headmaster's office or headmistress office. And it's, you know, it's kind of their consciousness and their understanding remains to be advisory. And yeah, there's elements within those stories that I think are really that is somewhere between the lines. Like they they speak to an afterlife and people remaining and the impact of people and 
dare I say, their legacy without necessarily saying, once you die, you haven't actually died. You know, I think fiction can be really good in some ways of, of, of giving, you know, option C and D and E and F of what afterlife might mean. Whereas perhaps in traditional teaching, it's so black and white. You kind of have to decide whether you believe in this or whether you don't, which I think pushes people into really separate camps, but it sounds like both of us are far more in the middle which is great, yeah. As yeah. we are with many things, as exactly. we are with many things. <laughs> so um, true. <laughs> yeah, I think the concept of of legacy is is really really linked into to death, and I mean to continue tying in lots of these episodes together. I think obviously with the Hamilton, the musical is is kind of the key aspect of it, right? Hamilton yeah. is this character who's driven by the idea of achieving in in present life as much as he can, as much as he can, as much as he can to have a legacy, to have made some impact on the earth before he goes. And that's constantly what he's assessing, why he's always writing like he's running out of time. That show is all about motifs of death and trying to get what you get done before before your time's up. And I think mm. probably the, the real, the flaw in Hamilton's character is that he doesn't actually enjoy the present as much as he should have. He was a yeah. person that was so set on making change and trying to get stuff done that sure, clearly you can see both both in history and and the musical itself, he got a lot of stuff done, but probably made a lot of decisions based on based on legacy. Um there's a really beautiful line in right near the end of the show where uh it seems like legacy is planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. Yeah, which I think is is a really beautiful way of of conceptualizing legacy, and and it's not always the case. I mean, some people some people get to see their legacy before they die. I mean, we just have to look at like people who have made great performances in in you know film and TV and theater. Lots of people get to see the acclaim that they receive before they go. Some people don't. You know, someone like say Heath Ledger, for example, Heath Ledger, yeah. never got to know the impact of that performance on people Mm. um but yeah i was interested to talk to you about legacy from a from a personal perspective because someone did ask me about about this in terms of being something we could talk about on the show like do you do you think ever think about i don't know about like the impact of your life necessarily but but the the impact of the choices you make past the the base level like you do something how it ripples to people around you but the longer term of like what you decide to do with your life and how maybe that affects the people around you like the long-term bigger picture stuff is that stuff that you've ever considered both in choosing your career or where you are now or yeah that's a it's a good question um it's a big question I it's don't a big question expect you to yeah to give me the answer but Look, I think, I mean, much like how you answered my one, I think, you know, if I'm going to be straight up, I'd probably say no. Um, As I've said before, I sound like a broken record all the time. I'm very, I'm very much like grounded in the present, you know, like I really like being in the moment. Not that I don't look into the future. I mean, look, we tried to plan living in London together at the moment right now, you know, like that kind of future and and what what I endeavor to do and pursue. Um, But I think, 
I mean, not not really. It's something that I'm not really worried about right now. And whether that's not the right approach to, to have with, as you were saying, with legacy and, and that kind of thing. It's just, I think where I am in, in my life right now, I know that what I'm doing right now isn't really going to impact that many people. Um, but I mean, look, uh, I want to be an entertainer. I want to create. I want people to see my work and be affected by my work in some way, shape or form. And I think... I think that for myself is what I want my legacy to be. I want someone to be able to look at my work and, and be impacted by it in some way. I mean, hey, even whether that be negative, that the, these people are still going to be walking away with something that I've done and they're going to see their own perspectives on those kind of things. And so I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would obviously like to get to the point where you know, I do something big or, or not. It could be something really small, but when I, when I, by the time I get to my death or when I die, I know that I would have impacted someone's life in in some way, shape or form, whatever that be. I think, I think that's the, the thing that I would be happy with the most. And I know that I already have done that in my life as well. You know, like I've met some great people, made some great friends and I've made some great art already. And I know that people have, have looked at that and, and received that really well. And I mean, who knows, you know, like you said, that ripple effect, small ideas can just change someone's life dramatically, you know? Um, and I think, I think that's what I want to do, do the most, not, not like Hamilton or anything like that. I don't necessarily want to have, you know, a, a, not that he has a statue. I think he has a statue. I'm not sure, but I'm I don't sure want to have does somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, but you know, I don't want to necessarily have like a, a statue of a of a monument of what I've done, or a, or a, a plaque, or or something like that. I don't necessarily want to be put in stone. Um, I think I'm 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 coming from more on the. I was going to say spiritual level, but not really. Um, more on the emotional side of it, you know. I want people to be able to look at my work and, and take something from that. I think I think that's what I want my legacy to be. Um, but I think it will then come down to, you know, because what I've done so far in art is other people's works and other people's ideas and feelings and things. I'd like to get to the point where I'm really starting to share um, my own beliefs and my own thoughts and how that's that's impacting other people. I mean, much like this podcast, bro, you know? I know that there's people listening to us right now talking about all this stuff, and it may be, you know, they're getting small little bits from it, and it's driving them into their own life and stuff. So, I mean, I think we're definitely starting, but I think at the moment it's not something that I'm really, really diving into at the moment. I know that there's a lot of my life that I'm just trying to focus on me at the moment, um, but I know that they will definitely get to the point with my arts where it'll be about uh, be about others as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer, and probably I feel quite similarly. And I think what you say about about being an entertainer, I think there's a a real positive step that entertainers, you know, like actors, can take and under and really understanding that our profession is is not in the top. 10 20 50 100 most important professions in terms of what it can do for people and of course i say this you know knowing that during lockdown everyone was watching entertainment stuff you know i was big on on the advocating like this is the importance of art it gets people through you know watching stuff and listening to stuff by no means am i trying to devalue art but i think there's also a humility and understanding that in terms of the world as a whole 
art fits its own place and understanding that i mean i think i think it was jake gyllenhaal in an interview um that i listened to one day he was like i love doing these doing different roles different people because i understand what it's i get to learn what people who have real jobs go through Mm. the humility to, to be like i'm just a performer i'm not doing anything incredible like the the taking aspiration legacy out of it i think is really really a positive step for performers the flip side of that is i wouldn't go so far as to say that actors performers performances can't have impressions on people because we just talked about this you know in the chadwick boseman episode clearly some people you know based on the world that they're in and probably not from their own choosing or or pre-planned goals like there are people that their performances can have these these impacts um but i think looking at it from a from a perspective of of the legacy that you want to create is simply around people seeing your work and being able to form an opinion of it is is kind of enough and i think i'm similar i I think there's a real difference between uh going out and seeking legacy versus the desire to make work that you know receives conversation yeah whether it be you you go out and you want to create work that receives critical praise or popular praise i think that's completely fine i think that's Mm -hmm. what people should strive for there's nothing wrong with going i want to make work that people see and think is good you know that i think is is completely a grounded version of legacy but i think i think anything more than that to particularly as an artist to go out with the attempt to like change the world blah 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 not to say people can't no I don't think that's necessarily necessarily helpful or or a good guiding light for the career path that you choose. That being said, I think there are people in other careers, you know, people that grow up and be like, I'm going to find a cure for cancer. Like I am going to do work in certain communities and make real change where I think that kind of drive to have that legacy is super, super important. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's good for you and I as people that – are very aware of the career life bubble that we're in to to go you know what that's not the thing that we have to drive for and yep. that's okay because actually not that many people make super 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 impactful impactful change um but i think legacy can also be obviously as you've said in terms of energies and emotions and and the ripple effects that you have can be far more personal than that and i mean to 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 bring it back around to the the death element um, you've got to make it light you've got to make it light when you're talking about this sort of thing um i wanted to ask you what was your um what was your first your first experience with with someone or something that you know dying because for me it was actually a, a pet my my first cat baxter mm. died probably when i was like seven or eight so i guess 2002 2003 um mum will let me know when she listens to this um but yeah i remember i remember that quite vividly and i remember us having to make the decision to put him down and take him to the 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 vet in brooklyn i remember making the decision to sit in the car rather than go in with him i'd said my goodbye i remember bawling my eyes out and at that stage probably not really not being able to process or understand fully but understanding that this was uh, a, a living creature that i wasn't going to get to spend time with anymore mm. 
and I think that was probably quite helpful. Like, I guess one of the things I wanted to say today is I think, I think to to go through the longer of your period of your life that you go through without experiencing someone close to you dying really makes it harder. I think there have been people that I've known who have been super fortunate to have all their grandparents really far through no aunts or uncles or anyone's ever passed or friends or anything and then if if the first one hits you when you're like 17 or 22 you you think you understand you think you've picked it up from pop culture and other people around you but actually i think that's a real kind of a curse or a double-edged sword to not Mm. have that early on and um yeah so so when Baxter died, I think there was a an, an introduction, and then my um my nana, uh you know this isn't the the only people that I've had have around me die, but my my nana um died in two thousand and two thousand and nine, so first year of secondary school, she was someone that I had seen a lot of growing up. Um, she lived in Nelson, and and so mum's side of the family is all from Nelson, and we would go to Nelson two, three, four times a year, seeing her constantly. Um, and yeah, it just happened super unexpected. She actually had a really, really beautiful death. I mean, you couldn't kind of wish to, to go any other way. I think she just, she was sitting in a chair in her lounge. I'm pretty sure she had some kind of, um, drink beside her. Uh, I mean, maybe this is me beautifying the story, yeah. but I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. And she kind of just, she just moved on mm. on a beautiful Nelson day. And I, I remember, obviously the shock of finding out obviously it was great sadness particularly for my mum and that side of the family and I remember the funeral but I also remember thinking what a what a beautiful way to go I mean you'd never you know these toss-ups of as an unexpected death harder to process or as a long prolonged death actually harder because people potentially go through more suffering um but those were my first first two experiences and I think at those ages sort of seven-ish and 13, 14-ish gave me enough of an understanding of of death and the sense of loss that I'm actually quite not grateful to have had those experiences, but I think they were good character-building experiences, which has probably set me up for the the death that I've experienced in the last few years and going forward, um, just being able to process that. And I just wondered what your experience had been like growing up and and yeah. potentially well, losing people. Yeah, well, my, mine's very sim- very similar to yours, actually. Um, I mean, just just to just to speak at the back end of what you just said there, I think it's really important for us to like, especially growing up and, and young kids, to talk about death. Because I mean, yep. like I said before, it's a constant. It's going to happen. You know, things are going to die. And so, like you said, I think the earlier the earlier you kind of come to that realization as a child growing up you you realize that this is going to happen things that you know that and people will be able to i think deal with that a lot easier and be there for other people as well um but i mean yeah i was i was exactly the same i was think i was around six seven um me and mum had just moved away from my grandparents uh and they had a boxer dog and a cat called smudge um and then another cat as well actually i think her name was frankie um, but, uh, Tyson, Tyson died. Um, and, uh, I wasn't there for it, but I, it was, it was the first kind of experience of a pet passing for me. And it was, yeah, it was kind of just like, 
sad in the sense of like I'm not going to see this big big brute of a friend you know he, he was a really he was a really nice dog um and so you know we kind of I, I can't actually remember what we did for him in the sense of a a, a, a ceremony or a funeral or anything like that um but then literally a few weeks later um Tyson's best friend Smudge um the cat died um and we believe he literally died of a broken heart he was he was happy he he wasn't he wasn't ill in any way i think just because tyson passed his best friend um smudge smudge passed as well from a broken heart which i think for me at a young age realizing that that he had you know i that really hit me a lot and i was exactly the same as you i remember bawling my eyes out you know they brought smudge over to our place we 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 buried him in our backyard and we had a little ceremony for him and that was that was a lot. I I remember really trying to get get through that day was hard, um, and then yeah, I think I experienced a few other cats and uh, and things like that, but it wasn't really a a big thing for me as I was growing up and getting older. And then I remember experiencing my first kind of funerals and and you know actually seeing a dead body and that because. Um, I know in a lot of a lot of cultures you obviously have open caskets and things mm. like that, um, and a lot of families actually like having the open casket at their house as well. So everyone comes over to the house and it's very communal, and you say your goodbyes and you know and and you see the body before actually going to um, to a tangi or or a ceremony or a funeral and things like that. So I remember experiencing a few tangis and and the way of um, you know Maori culture and, and how they say goodbye and and they get together and things like that. And I think. Uh, I, I, that was, a, I think, early high school, so it was really nice uh, experiencing that side of, of that culture, and I know my culture as well. Um, and yeah, just that sense of community, you know, the, the the food and everyone getting together. And but it is, it's very sad, it's very somber, you know, when someone passes in, in, in that community and that family. It's, it's it's a very sad thing, as it is for anyone in, in, in any any culture. Um, but the 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 big one for me. Um, that I was that that I'm now coming to is is that we my family uh, we actually watched uh, my grandfather pass away um, and that was that was a big thing in itself it's the first time actually you know watching someone's life uh, end and, and disappear in front of you uh, he was he was literally going for a walk one day and uh, he had uh, he had a heart attack he had a heart attack while he was on his walk and and he absolutely loved walking. It was the one thing he did every day. It was his constant. And it just so happened to be it's the way he went out. Uh, so he went for a walk. He had a heart attack. Um, and unfortunately, it was a while before anyone actually found him on the streets. Uh, and then, obviously, the the ambulance arrived and they brought him to hospital. And he was he was still alive, but unfortunately, his brain hadn't been receiving oxygen. Uh, for a for a lot amount of time, I think he actually he actually died on the way to hospital, and they resusc- resuscitated him uh, in the ambulance. And so, but he had the, he then had to be put on, um, I think it was life support or, or that form of. He he obviously he couldn't breathe on his own anymore. Um, and yeah, we got that information, and we went to the hospital. And we basically just sat by his side, you know, hoping that and he would either wake up or recover and and things like that. And it was really it was it was really hard because 
he was breathing in such a way where it we we felt his pain like we mm. we really felt like he was in a lot of pain and that that was hard you know the rest of the family came down from this was in Waikato hospital the rest of the family came down from Auckland and yeah we all literally just sat in his bed watching him watching him struggle watching him struggle for air and it got to the point where, where you know us as a family we were kind of like you know it's we we can't really let this go on anymore so we were all there and we literally you know they they pulled the plug and we we watched him take his last breath uh which was a it was a beautiful thing to be with everyone you know as a whole family and and experience that but um it was hard you know uh dada as as we used to call him uh he he was he was my father figure growing up um so watching him watching him pass was hard and i was actually i remember he was dead and you know we all were all you know comforting each other and things and he was just lying there on the bed and you know we were all told that we had to had to leave the room and you know they were going to get him prepared and and that's the last time we could see him and i literally asked the whole family i was like hey i'm i'm going to say goodbye now um so the the whole family left and i had i had one last minute with him and just saying saying thank you for everything and and stuff like that um so yeah that was that was really hard and i must say <laughs> i'm getting a bit teary now because it's the first time i've really talked about it in depth like that but i'm glad i experienced it because it it put into into the fact that this is going to happen you know mm to your loved ones and things like that and I think every day uh you know when it's going to happen to our parents man you know when it's going to happen to mum like that day is going to come you know Mm -hmm. and um and that's the reality of it that's the reality of it is that we we're all going to die one day um so we just got to make the most of it and I think that's part of why we wanted to talk about it about it today and and thank you so much for sharing because I think if you don't talk about it we lull ourselves into the sense of sense of security that, yeah. that bad things yeah. bad things won't happen. I know in, in the world that we're living in today there's obviously a lot of a lot of worldly struggle and I think sometimes it's easy to s- sort of block ourselves in and go, the world's terrible out there, but we're kind of we're safe in, in our little little bunkers here. But dude, that's the reality of life. Like things things happen and, and the human the human body is while it is this amazing creation of, of, of man, sometimes I just sit down and I think, wow, the human body's b- 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 pretty cool. <laughs> but I mean, we're also pretty fragile. Like very, we're, yeah, we're, we're susceptible to so much stuff. And I think we, we as people, we don't like talking about death because we hope that it will never happen. Mm. And I think that's that's such a makes makes complete sense by no means am i separating myself from that i think that's i definitely fall into that category but if we don't open up and accept that it is inevitability for ourselves and for the people that we care about regardless of how you feel about afterlife you you're missing the opportunity to to be grateful for the ones you love and the ones that you you like spending time around and because we've we've plenty of time plenty of time to to spend time with family and friends and be be thankful and i've i've got to say i think the last few years having been away from so many people 
that I really cared about and now being close to those people but being in a completely changed world where we have completely reframed our perspectives on what life is like and freedom and being able to spend time with people I'm I'm trying to be more and more grateful for just spending time with people that I care about and mm. and I think it's hard I, I think to constantly remind yourself to be to be thankful for the presence of the people around you to if you're fortunate enough to to have both parents man you're so blessed there are some people that that have one parent or no parents or no you know no figures pets if you've got a pet make them you know go and give that better <laughs> give a, it a hug pat, pat you know because <laughs> because i think we really shy away from talking about this stuff and i think linked to what you said about about childhood like in some ways those early years tend to be the ones where we have it easiest yeah. you know by yeah. being super young most of the people around you are also relatively young and the older we get the older the people we know get and i don't know about you but even from a from a famous people perspective it feels like more and more every year there's people that we we do know or we feel that we know or tangentially know that that they do they die and and i think coming to terms with that and being able to talk to people about that is really important and something that we definitely don't do enough so yeah thank you so much for for sharing that that story because I can I can tell from the way you spoke about it that it was a meaningful experience for you and there's a great there's a great beauty and and yeah. experience your emotion remembering that because I know that it means for you you can remember that experience and it was super impactful and it's sitting with you like you still you still mm. have that to be able to speak about it and that level of detail and and emotion and yeah so so thank you for sharing that man I know that <laughs> It's never easy to to retravel down down those paths, is it? No, no. But I think, I mean, like you said, I think it's it's important. You know, it's 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 really important. Um, yeah, death is a death is a as we said before, it's a scary thing. Like it yeah. is, and it could it could happen tomorrow. It could happen the day after that. Um, I mean, I, I saw a, I saw a thing on. Um, I saw a thing on Facebook just to really say quickly. Uh, obviously, nine eleven was was literally just a few days ago. Um, hundreds of people went to went to sleep expecting uh, to board a plane that day. Thousands of people went to sleep um, to go to work the next morning. Firefighters went to sleep to go to work the next day. Ambulances, all of this, all of these people went to sleep expecting to have another normal day, and they didn't. That the very next day, their their life was ended it was it was it was it was done so we've got to be i think it's really important to be to be present but like we were saying with legacy i think you know it's okay to look to the future and to strive for something to what we're going to leave behind like it is it's important i think to have that um that motivation to move through life is really good but i think we've got to be really aware of what's in front of us and appreciate what's in front of us right now um because something might not be there tomorrow or you might not be there tomorrow um so i think yeah we've got to be really careful about how we're interacting with people around us right now and 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 what we're leaving behind um because that could be it could be any minute it could be any second like you said the body is a fragile thing but also the environment and the world that we live in is also a very fragile thing at the moment as well 
Um, I mean, you only have to look at this pandemic at the moment. These fires happening over in um, over in America, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot going on uh, that's out of our control. Um, so appreciate every moment you have, and like you said, hug the people, hug the people you love, talk to the people you love, mm. let them know that, let them know that. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I th- I think you're right. There's a there's there's a healthy amount of thinking about legacy and what change you want to implement and what values matter to you and your ethos and and that sort of stuff it's all obviously uh great like it's it's good to be able to have that honest reflection with your with yourself and how you feel about your own life and the lives of of people around you and i mean hey like on a, on a lighter note l- let's not kid ourselves every kid has grown up and thought I wonder who'll come to my funeral. Like, yes. That's the thing that we all have this realization, right? We've all had that where we've gone, oh, I wonder if I like, like if I could just watch, like see who comes. Yeah. I mean, I'd, you'd hate to be disappointed, eh? You'd hate yeah, to yeah, hate yeah. for the uh-huh. crowds, yeah. people, everyone you've ever met. And then everyone's, you know, it's, it's not that many people turn up. But yeah, I think, I think that kind of thinking about, about death in a, not in a in a light sense, but being able to accept that it's something to be talked about and and thought about and and we do we all go through these periods of life where things happen that reframe how we think about that and if you can be be open and honest and have conversations about it and joke about it and be light about it and share memories then then that is I think in both of our opinion the best way to to, yeah. to go about it right. Yeah, well, yeah, like like we said, it's 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 the reality of our lives. It's 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 going to happen. I, you know, uh, uh, so um, revel in it. You know, bask in it. Uh, I talk about it. it it's I, I, it's important because I think you know, I, in speaking to New Zealand specifically, um, which we will talk about in a, in an episode um, at some point soon with our mental health and and things like that especially in our males um but just in in, in young people in general um we, we 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 have a problem when it comes to mental health and and some a lot of people think that death is the only way out of it um but that's you know it's it's not necessarily it's not necessarily true um but these people get to that point where this you know this black abyss that they know um, that is, is is going to happen um, is the best best thing to get out of it. Whereas I think life is such a gift and and such a privilege to have. So you know I think we we need to talk about it more and and about this death is not necessarily the the way out of things, but is it is going to happen at some point. But I think it, it it still it still saddens me so much that people want to get there just a, a little bit too fast and a little bit too soon um so but yeah that, that'll be a time for another episode um yeah but yeah i mean death oh what a what a thing what a thing yeah and to bring it back around to what you asked about about the afterlife to mm, to, f- mm. to finish off the episode if, if you'll do me the, the great pleasure i think it's great to be able to talk about death and the afterlife and memory and moving on and that sort of stuff. And a lot of the time fiction is what, what gives us some of the best ways to, to frame that. And I think one of, one of the classics that a lot of people love is, is the great line by, by J.R. Tolkien from Gandalf from Return of the King, which goes, goes something like this. End. no, the journey doesn't end here. 
Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. So thank you, J.R. Tolkien and Ian McKesson McCallum for that, because sometimes I feel like fiction can capture that stuff in a way that perhaps you and I can't. Yeah. I think on that note, we will say ta-ta for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and um, we'll see you next time. Peace.